Now we will have a split sermon brought to us today by Mr. Matt Steele, entitled Spirit Wind. Good afternoon. It's good to see everybody today, especially our guests right in the middle. Can look at you the whole time. Not you, Trevor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did everybody get uh, a, a a the Spirit Wind flyer insert thing? Yes, it is a test. So, I want you to put your name at the top, and after the message, we'll hand it forward, and we're gonna we're gonna mark it, and we'll let you know if you're allowed to come back next week. No, not really. Uh, this is something um, I've seen done at, um, at other occasions, Bible studies and seminars and so on. It's just a different mechanism by which to get those of you that don't take notes to maybe make it one or two. It's fill in the blank. So, I mean, how hard could it be? But it's just a, an, another way of um, maybe studying the Bible together. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we are presented with a very well-known story, a passage that there's been songs about, and of course, the odd sermon or two, the odd Bible study. We know this story very well. It is a vision, it is a prophecy, but it is also a moral lesson for us, for us as individuals, for us as a church. A prophecy because of what was depicted in this chapter, of what will come to pass. God has promised, not only in here, in this one chapter, but through the prophets, he has promised, he has promised a resurrection. A vision, as Ezekiel was given it, it was to him a vision, but I'm sure it was very real to him. A vision that even though God had punished the children of Israel, punished his called out people, he still had grace and mercy in store for them. And of course, it is a moral lesson for us. One that asks us to consider our place in the valley. Who thinks that they're in the valley? Well, I'll ask you that at the end, because you are in the valley. Now, hopefully you're not in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, maybe you will be by the time I'm done, but we are in this passage, and I can, I'd ask you to look for yourself where you might fall in this vision, this prophecy, this moral lesson that we have here. So beginning in verse 1, he says, And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Just take a look at the front of that, that sheet that you have. And I think that's lightly scattered with bones, if you look at that picture. I think he was probably knee-high in bones. Maybe waist high in bones. He could have been walking on top of bones 
that were over a man's head. This valley was full of bones. You ever asked, where did these bones come from? I mean, we, you might know the story. You might know the rest of the passage. But where specifically did these bones come from? Well, we find earlier, further back in Ezekiel, chapter 21 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Jerusalem. Preach against the holy places and prophesy against the land of Israel and say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, and I will draw my, I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both the righteous and the wicked from among you. Because I will cut off both the righteous and the wicked from among you, therefore my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from south to north that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of its sheath. It shall not return any more. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, Why are you sighing? That you shall answer, because of the news. When it comes, every heart will melt all hands will be feeble, and every spirit will be faint. All knees will be as weak as water. Behold, it is coming, and shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. These bones were from Jerusalem, were from Judah, were from Israel. These are the people of God. These bones came from those places. They are literally physical Israel. But there is also a spiritual lesson here for us. There are in this world, right, this earthly valley. This whole planet is a valley of dry bones. Have you ever thought of that? This whole world is a valley of dry bones. People walking around dead, they just don't know it. They just don't know it. Just like the people of Israel, when the Lord had said, I am going to bring this about. You don't know it yet, but you are dead. Physically for them, but spiritually in this earthly valley that we have here. The bones that we see here are literally physical Israel, but they are also a spiritual lesson, as I said. There are, in this world, this earthly valley, billions of dead, dry bones, just as we were. Just as we were before we were filled with the spirit wind. But now we are like who? Who are we like? Because if the world is this valley of dry bones, then who are we? We're Ezekiel. We are just like Ezekiel, walking around these bones, walking around these dead 
people. I told you I'd tell you that you were in here. We are as e Ezekiel. So he says in verse 2, Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. You know, there's something else that should strike you as you're looking at this, this collection of dead bones. There's something odd about it. What do we normally do when somebody dies? Bury them. So why are these bones left out? Unburied. Could it be because there was nobody left to bury them. Pretty gruesome thought that the destruction was so complete, was so absolute, that there was nobody left to bury the dead. So they were left in this open valley. Then God asks Ezekiel a question in verse 3. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, if you were there and God asked you that question, what would you say? Anybody? What would you say? Yes. <laughs> this is not a trick question. <laughs> but why would we say yes as opposed to the answer that Ezekiel gave? Because his answer is a little cryptic. We would say yes because, well, we have the testimony of the prophets. We have the testimony of the apostles. We have the witness of the disciples and the church to the resurrection of the dead. Not of just of Jesus, but of all those that were resurrected when he was resurrected. We have all of that. Ezekiel didn't. So I think he was pretty smart. He said, well, Lord, you know. <laughs> you know what the answer is. You know whether or not they can live again. And another thing, Ezekiel probably had a good idea why they were dead. Right? So maybe the answer isn't, yes, they'll live again. I don't know. Maybe, you know, you're testing me. Why would I want them to live again? You may wonder. But he said, O Lord God, you know. And then in verse 4, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So, think about this for a second. Put yourself in the place of Ezekiel. You're all alone in this valley of bones, which is probably a little creepy already, right? And the Spirit of God is there with you and talking to you. 
And God says, I want you to prophesy. I want you to shout out. I want you to project your voice down this valley and preach to these bones. What? You know, firstly, they're dead, right? And secondly, they don't have any ears. You want me to preach to dead, earless bones? Hmm. Well, what was that? He did it. But would we? You know, what's the point in telling anybody about the salvation of Jesus Christ? They won't listen. You know, they're out there in the world, they're dead men walking, they have no idea that they're just a valley of dry bones. They won't hear us. They didn't hear us before. And Ezekiel could have said that. It's like, really, you want me to preach the word of the Lord to bones that didn't hear you when they were alive? But he didn't have that attitude. He did not have that attitude. He did it. He spoke to the bones. He cried out to the bones. One commentary I read on Ezekiel actually said that uh, passages like this caused so much consternation among Christian scholars at different times that they considered this, well, Ezekiel was being told to cast pearls before swine. And this wasn't the first time that he did this, was to preach the word of God to a people that would not hear or maybe could not hear. Are we like Ezekiel? Or do we think they're not going to listen? Are we bold? Are we confident? Are we obedient to God, willing to do whatever it takes to raise the dead to life again? That's a question we must answer. Would we, do we, proclaim the word of the Lord to the dry bones? Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Our man Ezekiel did not worry about any of this. He just obeyed God. God told him to do something. And I don't think he just kind of meekly said, Hey, Bones, uh, you know, flesh is going to come upon you. I think he proclaimed it loud with confidence. Is there something that God is asking you 
to proclaim loud with confidence? Is there someone in your life that God is asking you to preach the word to? I guarantee there is someone because we're like Ezekiel. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a, suddenly a rattling. And, you know, and I just like to imagine this as the words are coming out of his mouth. They're echoing around the valley. And as the words of God pass over from 49 days ago, pass over the bones, then they begin to move. They begin to rattle. And the bones come together. The bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. I don't know what would be more creepy. Dead bones or a valley full of dead bodies? He also said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So more than just using Ezekiel to reconstruct these bodies, more than just putting the flesh back on the bones, more than that, God actually charged Ezekiel with helping to bring breath of life back into these bodies. Life. I think you would agree that in this vision, in this prophecy, there are big implications for us. If we truly are as Ezekiel, then not only are we to speak the word to dry bones and maybe expect a result, we're also charged with being a participant in bringing the breath of life back into those bones. But what would that look like? If we are actively participating in preaching the word to our friends, our neighbors, co-workers, to whoever it may be, what would it look like to actively participate in bringing the breath of life back into them? Interceding, perhaps, for a specific person, a family member, a friend, whoever that may be, carrying them in prayer. That is how we bring the breath of life. That is how we are instruments of God. But it can't just be a one-time prayer. It can't just be, I talked to so-and-so today, and I gave them some scriptures, Lord, and I would just like it if you would convert their heart. Amen. All right, here's the dinner. It has to be persistent, constant, 
we have to work at this. And I'm not saying we don't. I'm encouraging you to continue to do that. In Acts 9 and verse 11, there's a man who is told to go to a street called Straight and look for the biggest enemy the church had at that time. Do you remember him? Ananias. To a bunch of dead bones, blind dead bones, no less. And that was a man named Saul. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who had appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell on his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. It would be, wouldn't that be awesome to be in that role? To be a facilitator for God's spirit. To fill a dead person. <laughs> Let alone a person that would go on to write off the New Testament. A very humbling experience, I'm sure, for that man. Turning back to Ezekiel in verse 10, he says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Wow. In one moment, Ezekiel went from being the only living human being in this valley to being in the middle of a crowd of breathing, living A great army. Life flooded into these bodies. They probably were climbing up, climbing on one another to stand and breathe in the breath that they had just been given. A huge crowd. An army. But then God gives us an explanation of what's going on here. In verse 11 he says, Ezekiel said, he then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened up your graves. O my people, and brought you out from your graves, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, that you may know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So there's a lot packed into these three verses, this last segment in this vision. Firstly, God chose us that this whole exercise that Ezekiel was participating in, that he was part of, was prophetic. 
And it's also poetic. It's a spiritual vision, a means by which we can understand what God is going to do with his people. Israel of old was cut off. Their bones were cut down. The nation that Ezekiel knew was largely destroyed. He was in captivity himself. But for all of God's anger and judgment on them, he remembered them. He had grace toward them. These are the whole house of Israel, he said. And God promises that he will bring them back again to life and will restore them to their own land. But then there's something really interesting in here. He says, verse 14, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. My spirit. God's spirit. His spirit. That would seem like something different than just the breath that Ezekiel called from the winds to come and blow and fill the lungs of those that were once the dry bones. It's the same Hebrew word, ruach, or however you pronounce that, but the context is different because God says, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. The Hebrew word, like I said, it's the same word in each, each instance. But that same word that's used in Ezekiel is the same word that the psalmist uses when he pleads with God in Psalm 51, verse 11, to not take your Holy Spirit from me. It's also the same word that is, and the same spirit that is on the Messiah. In Isaiah 61, and verse 1, when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which has always been God's mission. It's his desire to open those graves and breathe his spirit into his people. The same word each time. But the context is different. One is just the air that you and I breathe. The other is the spirit of God. We have one resurrection when all these bones are covered with flesh and they are returned again as fleshly beings. But then we have this almost separate, different resurrection. The second resurrection to a spirit life. Almost as though there are two resurrections kind of bundled into one in Ezekiel. And that's not a surprise to us, right? There's at least two resurrections. So 
So there are two basic, and I think enduring principles that we can take away from Ezekiel, from this passage. And they are fundamental to the principles of Pentecost. Firstly, that we must proclaim the word to the valley of dry bones, to the world around us, to the dead men walking around us. Even though it looks like they don't have ears to hear, that they're not listening, that they don't even want a part of what we have to say. We should just be like Ezekiel. I don't care that they don't have ears. God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. After all, where does the power come from? You think about it, when somebody is speaking to you, does the power come from the hearing? The power doesn't come from the hearing. Hearing is passive. You just absorb what's being said. You just absorb the sound that has been given to you. The power is in the speaking of the word. And that's vital for us to understand. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we are told, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Just as that word can divide and cut apart and pierce into those bones, and separate them so they can also bring them together, just as we saw in the Valley of Dry Bones. So the second principle that we should take away from this valley, the second principle that we should take with us is that after we have spoken in faith the words of the Lord, we are also called upon to help deliver the Spirit of God, to fulfill, to fill the waking dead of this world, the walking dead of this world, with the breath of life, to raise them again as a mighty army. Ezekiel stirred down into the valley Filled with dry bones baking in the sun Remain 
ones that used to be a mighty army. To him it looked like the fighting days were done. Driven by a calling on his life. He spoke God's word and the bones began to shake. He stared wide-eyed as the flesh began to form. And he prophesied to the wind and the soldiers began to wave. And the Lord sent his wind into the valley the breath of life into their souls, raise them again a mighty army, soon these risen warriors of battle again, they have been filled with the Spirit. a mighty army for the Lord, but now he stares into the lifeless eyes, believers leading carnal lives, wonders what they're fighting for, driven by a calling on his life, he spoke God's word like he'd done a hundred times before. This time he comes broken and weeping With tears of a broken heart And he cries out to the Lord Oh Lord, send your wind into this valley And breathe the breath of life into their souls And raise them again a mighty army Again. The 
Reveal life.